Amen. Let's pray, okay? Thank you, God, our Father, for giving us your Son. And thank you, God, our Father, for leaving your Spirit within each of us who believe until we have accomplished what you have providently given us to accomplish. Jesus, I want to thank you for the example you were for each of us during your earthly ministry, the way you taught and the way you served and the way you loved and the way you forgave. I'm reminded this morning that on several occasions you would look at the people and you would say, he who has ears, let him hear. We would ask you to give us ears to hear your voice this morning. Oh, your presence here is extremely evident. You, you are here. and We would love, Lord, to hear your voice. For, Lord, what your word calls us to, we need to know that that's you speaking to us. And it, it impacts our response. So give clarity to what you want from each of us. Lord, you have every right to ask of us what you want. And when we hear that from your voice, Lord, we want to say yes. I'm reminded of the passage of Scripture in Luke, Jesus, where you said, why do you call me Lord when you don't do what I say? Lord, speak with clarity. We will take up our cross and we will follow you. Amen. In the Gospel of John, Jesus gives seven what have come to be known as I am statements. When I think about these seven statements, I think that I take all of them together and conclude that Jesus is all that we need. You've heard me say that on many, many occasions. Jesus is all that we need. In Chapter 6, Jesus told us that he was the bread of life, our very sustenance. In chapter 8, he said, I'm the light of the world. In chapter 10, he said, I'm the door of the sheep. That means in, in order to get in the fold, the church, you have to go through the door. And the door is Jesus. It's also in chapter 10 that he said, I am the good shepherd. And probably we could take that one all by itself and say, oh, well then he's all I need. For he leads us and he protects us 
and he provides for us. Chapter 10, he said, I'm the good shepherd. And chapter 11, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Chapter 14, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Chapter 15, he says, I am the true vine. He goes on in teaching us what that means. He says, if you're cut off from the true vine, you die. He says, without me, you can do nothing but being attached to the vine, to the true vine, the life-giving vine, all things are possible. I wonder if that describes our life. All things are possible. If we believe that, then we shouldn't worry. (laughs) Jesus is all that we need. At the end of chapter 10, the the Feast of Dedication, it's called the Feast, sometimes it's called the Feast of Remembrance. It was practiced, it was celebrated, it was observed in the first century in the month of December, just like it is today among some Jewish people, except now they call it Hanukkah the end of chapter 10, we see that after Jesus had celebrated this feast, that he went into the wilderness to the place where John the Baptist had been baptizing. This is probably about three months before the feast of the Passover. It would be the fourth Passover that we see in Jesus' earthly ministry. It would be his last Passover celebration. He goes out into the wilderness where John the Baptist was baptizing, and most scholars agree that that was on the Jordan River. It was a little bit east of Jerusalem, near Jericho. You go to Jericho, which is almost directly east of Jerusalem, and then you go up the Jordan River, probably about 50 or 60 miles, maybe a little bit further than that, near the south end of the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus ministered there. We don't know exactly how long he was there, but it's really the last place of ministry before Jesus returns to Jerusalem that we see in the Scriptures. While he's ministering there, he gets word that his dear friend Lazarus is very, very sick. And instead of doing what we would think that the Lord Jesus would do, which would be immediately pack up and go to Lazarus, he lingers there in that place of ministry for two more days. The disciples were confused by that. They asked him, why? Why aren't we going? This this is a 911 thing. This is an emergency. We have been told that Lazarus is on his deathbed The disciples believed. The disciples knew that Jesus could intervene. Jesus said, look, I linger because it's what the Father told me to do. 
I linger because ultimately this will be for God's glory. Folks, God's always in control. God always has purpose. God always has a plan. We should learn to trust that. It's extremely difficult for us. I could tell you from personal experience, it's hard to understand why God who is life would let someone die that you love so much. But I see the here and now. He sees eternity past to eternity future. He sees the big priority. He sees the big picture. He has priorities. Though we don't understand all of the time, we trust Him. After two days, Jesus makes a two-day journey to Bethany where Lazarus was. Mary meets him. Uh, Martha, Mary's sister, the, the sisters of Lazarus, Martha meets him first and they converse and Mary meets him and they converse. Mary doesn't understand. At this point, Lazarus has died. At this point, he's been dead for four days. Mary says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. It's kind of that either-or thinking, isn't it, that we talked about a couple of weeks ago? Either Jesus comes and saves Lazarus, or Lazarus dies. That's the only two things that can happen. Mary says, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus had a third option. He's in control. He says, he's just asleep, Mary. Mary says, look, I, I know that, that one day he'll rise, the resurrection day, he'll rise again. I know that, and I believe that. And Jesus makes the statement in John chapter 11. I think it's the most profound, most life-changing statement in all of Scripture. That's my opinion. She says, I, I know my brother will raise on resurrection day. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection. And I am life. Anyone who believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And anyone who believes in me and lives will never die. Let that sink in a little while. Martha, Mary, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Anyone who believes in me and lives will never die. Jesus 
Jesus goes to the tomb. We see the emotion of Jesus. We see the tears of the teacher. He says, roll the stone away. Then, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Mary saying, Lord, he's been dead for four days. He stinketh. (laughs) I think the ESV uses the word odor. I like King James on that verse. He stinketh. (laughs) Jesus yells out, Lazarus, come forth. Because he's the resurrection and the life. And Raz- Lazarus is raised from the dead. There's a lot to learn from that, right? About Jesus' purpose, about Jesus' priorities, about Jesus' power, about trusting him with your life. If you can trust him in death, you can trust him in life. I think there's a lot to learn from death. There's a lot for us to learn as we gather at the communion table from death. There are three kinds of death that are mentioned in the Bible. There's physical death. As my buddy Ward likes to say, the most recent surveys have concluded that out of every hundred people, a hundred will die. There's physical death. It's appointed unto man once to die. We will all experience physical death. You're sitting there, and some of you who are really, really Bible scholars, you say, what if Jesus comes back? Do you know what? The physical body still dies because we are given new bodies. We're given spiritual bodies, bodies, resurrection bodies, the Bible calls them. Everyone will experience physical death. I told you last week that when we experience physical death, there's only one thing that will matter. Do we have faith in the one who is the resurrection and the life? Nothing else will matter. Because if we don't, we experience the second death that the Bible talks about. Spiritual death. The death of the soul, the death of the spirit. You are who your soul is, not your physical. Your emotions, your intellect, your experience, that's who you are. It's an eternal soul. So what is spiritual death? Spiritual death, the Bible teaches us, is eternal separation from God. In a place the Bible calls hell. That's in the Bible. There's physical death. And there's spiritual death. It's the spiritual death I think that Jesus was talking about when he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. If anyone believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. If anyone believes in me and lives, he will never die. He'll never experience spiritual death. I want us to consider this morning the third death. 
Some of you are scratching your heads going, a third death, a third death, what is that? I don't remember a third death. But there is a third death. It's all over the Scriptures. Especially in the New Testament, we see it in Jesus' teachings. It's called daily death. <laughs> Jesus said, you want to be my follower? You've got to take up your cross and follow me. What does he mean? It means we need to learn how to die daily. The fact that Jesus died on a cross gives us the power to die to ourselves. That's what Romans 6 is all about. Make a note of that. This week you go to Romans 6 and you study the teaching of the Apostle Paul. We'll look at a couple of those verses this morning. The point is this, is because of Jesus' death and resurrection that He has given us power to die daily. That is ours. It's bought and paid for. And dying daily changes everything for us. It changes the way that we live. It changes the decisions that we make. It changes the way we love. It changes the way we forgive. And when we refuse to die daily, and we do have that choice, obviously we have that choice, when we refuse to take up our cross, when we refuse to die daily, we rob ourselves of all that Jesus has for us, of all that He wants to do. We rob ourselves of, of abundance. We rob ourselves of blessing. We rob ourselves of His power in our lives. We rob ourselves of being able to see spiritually. We rob ourselves of ministry. We rob ourselves... What prevents us from dying daily? There's something in our lives that's more important than Jesus is. And so we live to that instead of living to Jesus. We live to Jesus, we die to that. Because that is more important than Jesus it's an idol, and it's sin. Just because it's more important to us than Jesus. My suggestion to you this morning is, all of us have that thing or those things. And we have to consciously say, I'm dying to that. Jesus is number one. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the door of the sheep. Jesus is the great shepherd. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is the true vine. Jesus is all I need. And though my heart greatly desires this thing, I'm going to die to that and I'm going to follow him. I'm going to take up my cross, and I'm going to follow Him. Well, this isn't really a seeker-sensitive kind of message, is it? This is a, a message for the believer who says, I want to experience Jesus to the full. I want us to look at a couple of Scriptures this morning. The first... 
is Romans 6, 11 through 14. I think Vic will be able to put that on the screen. You also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Don't let sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. You don't have to let sin reign. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. Present yourselves to God as those who have been bought from death to life. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you. It will have no control over you. It will have no power over you. Though we experience that, don't we? Why? We won't die daily. It's already been bought and paid for. Power over sin. It's ours. Every believer, that's yours. It's part of why he died. Jesus died on that cross and rose again on the third day, ascended to heaven to to sit at the right hand of God the Father. He freed us from the penalty of sin, which is spiritual death. One day he will free us from the presence of sin. We will be in a world, we will be in a realm, we will be in a place, we will be in a kingdom where there is no sin, and there is no pain, and there is no suffering, and there is no tears, and there is no death. But today, He has freed us from the power of sin. The penalty, the power the presence. And when we don't die daily and we allow sin to have dominion over us, we live beneath our privilege as believers, as child of the King, as a Christian. We rob ourselves of all that He wants to do in us. Verse 14, sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law but under God's grace. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22 and 23. Put off your old self. That's die. Die to sin. That belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. We all experience that, those desires within us. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Many of you are familiar with this verse. King James says, I urge you, brothers. ESV says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. By the mercies of God, by all that Jesus is, by all that He's done, Romans 1-11, through 11, it's all about the mercies of God. I, I appeal to you based on the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. You know what that means? It means die. Die daily. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, 
which is your spiritual worship, which is your reasonable act of worship, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the second time that we've, we've been taught the renewing of our mind. I believe that that's, the, that's the, the conscious decision to die. This is my desire. It, 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 I want it. It's what I want. But I'm dying to that. I'm dying to that because Jesus is worthy of everything that I am. The renewing of your mind that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. This is the theme verse of our youth ministry, the 220 ministry. It comes from Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. When we baptize, we say, buried with Christ in the likeness of His death. It's a picture of dying. Raised to walk in newness of life. Dying daily. Why don't we do that? Because we have desires in our life that are greater than our desire for Jesus. You know what? That is a perfect teaching. It's a perfect lesson. It's a per perfect truth. It's a perfect thing to, to meditate on, to contemplate at the Lord's table. It was Jesus' desire not to die. Are you sure? Well, he said in the garden, Father, if there's any way that you can take this from me, but I'll die to my desire, your will, not my will, be done. No man took his life. He willingly laid it down. In the garden, they came to get him, and Peter went ballistic. Wanted to fight. Jesus goes, come on, Peter. Don't you know I could call 10,000 angels to come and rescue me? No man takes my life. I lay it down. What a perfect time to say, you know what? I want to die daily. I want, to, I, want to, I want Jesus to be the priority. I want Him to be number one. I don't want to have a desire in my life that's greater than Jesus. How do I experience that? You die in your mind. The renewing of your mind, consciously. I'm dying to that, and I'm going to go with Jesus. So we're going to celebrate communion, and I'm going to say a prayer, and 
these wonderful, wonderful servants of God that we call deacons and elders are going to distribute the elements. And it's going to take about 10 minutes to serve everybody. And we don't use that 10 minutes to wait for what's next. There's something on the to-do list that we, that we do during that 10 minutes. We say, Jesus, give me ears to hear your voice. He says to us, you want to follow me? Take up your cross daily and follow me. Be willing to die daily. I've given you that opportunity through my death. We are crucified with Christ. We now have the opportunity to die daily. Let me help you with that 10 minutes. And let's get real and let's get honest and, and let's get practical. What is that thing in your life that is more important than Jesus? What is it? I, I, I want you to determine that. Look, for me, it's a list. It's not a thing. And if I don't die daily, it will control my life. It will have dominion over me. It doesn't have to. Jesus died to give me power over it. Is it pride? Is it money? Is it prestige? Is it pornography? Is it selfishness? Is it religion? Dale, I'm not coming up with anything. Well, he's here. And all you got to do is say, Jesus, reveal to me what that thing is. When am I going to do that? You got 10 minutes. And in the process of meditating on these truths, I'm praying that I and that you will say, God, I want to die to those things. I don't want those things to be more important to me than you are. I want to live for you. Men, if you would stand. Let's pray together. Jesus, this is, um, this is a lot. This is heavy. This is profound. It's deep. And yet, it's simple. It's one of the commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. I'm asking you, Jesus, to kind of reveal to me those things in my life that are God's so that I can renew my mind, I can die, I can 
avail myself of all you died to give me. I can experience you. I can be controlled by your spirit. I can walk in your spirit. I can enjoy the fruit of the spirit which far exceeds anything this world can offer me. Reveal to us, Lord Jesus, those things that we must die to if we are going to experience you and all that you have for us, all that you died to give us. Accomplish that in us. I trust you for that. I believe you for that. I pray that in your name. Amen. John, if you'll help. As everyone who wants to participate with us in the celebration of communion been served, is there anybody that has not been served? So, who won? In those last 10 minutes, who won? It's either you or Jesus. It's either your desires or His desires. That's a very relevant question for what we're about to do because the Bible teaches us that we should not partake of this without first examining ourselves. All who are in this room who believe. All who are in this room who will die daily. We celebrate communion. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, the Bible says that he took the bread and he broke it. And after he had served his followers, his disciples, He held the bread up and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Every time you eat it, remember me. Then in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says that after they had taken the bread, that he took the cup. And he held it up and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. In Romans, the scripture that we read a few minutes ago, it talked about grace. That's what Jesus is talking about. This is the new covenant in my blood. It's a covenant of grace. No longer the law, but grace. This is the new covenant of my blood. Every time you partake of it, remember me. Lord, how do we say thank you? That you would leave heaven's glory. That you would come walk this earth for 33-something years, 
that not a moment of that time was spent outside of your Father's will, that you were rejected and ridiculed, and ultimately, Lord, you were murdered. You were nailed to a cross, the King of glory. All because you love me. And when I think about that, it makes dying to myself every day seem so reasonable. I want to invite you to stand, everybody standing. 10,000 reasons. <laughs> hey, guys, this is a time of celebration. This is a time of worship. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. Arthur, you lead us if you will.